it's called the self-centeredness of the system. But the centeredness is a movement. Yeah. I notice wherever you believe is you, your attention and interest is going to be wed to that. Most of your attention and interest is going to go to whatever you truly believe is you. It doesn't mean it has to be you. The attention and interest just follows whatever you or whatever this believes to be itself. If it believes it's, it's a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, then that's called self-centeredness because the interest and attention is centered on self. But the same interest and attention can be centered on something other than self. It's just whatever you call you, I mean with a sincerity or an understanding, that whatever you call you is like the magnet to interest and attention. And all we're living here in is, in, is in interest and attention. Yeah. Our awareness or our consciousness is being directed by interest. We're interested in that or we're not interested in that. And our attention is caught. Yeah. And our attention will usually stay on something that we're interested in. It will, it, will, it will attend to something. Let's say if somebody says something and I'm interested in what they say, as soon as I hear it's not about me, I lose my interest. Yeah? My attention is freed from that and goes roaming to find someone talking about me because that's interesting to me. Yeah? So that interest and attention is moved. It will create a center or make a center. Yeah? It's the interest and the attention that makes the center, not the self. The self is just an idea the mental process has made, the mental process in our brain has made an idea, right, just totally made out of the cloth of a mental process, that there's a long-lasting independent separate entity, a noun that rises above the mental process and says, I own the mental process. I, as Paul, have a mental process. But that's not the case. That idea is a product of the mental process. The brain is trying to figure this place out. It's trying to represent what's going on here, and it re represents it seemingly to you, but part of the representing is the idea of being a you that it's being represented to. Yeah. Now, we see sometimes, we get the feeling, yeah, life's happening, and then there's an interpretation of it. Paul's interpreting it. But we don't see that Paul is part of the interpretation. We actually think Paul is, is having the interpretation. There is no Paul having the interpretation. There's an interpretation that has an idea of being a Paul that has the interpretation. So it's a mental process that makes up an illusion that there's a noun that's having the mental process. And now the mental process is driving the noun that's having it crazy. Yeah? But <laughs> it's all part and parcel of the same event, a mental process. I call it selfing. That's what the mind's doing. It's selfing of the brain. Yeah? It's selfing. In other words, it's, it's representing life with the idea that there's you that life's happening to. And so our attention and interest gets captured by that. And that hijacking or enslavement of our interest and attention to this one idea of being a self causes the obsession with self to occur. Yeah? The obsession with self, in my view, is just to reinforce the identification as a self. That's its only purpose. Yeah? It's not out to get you at all. We see it that way, 
but it's not out to get us all. All it is is to reinforce the primary uh, imperative, which is the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That makes sense to the mental process. Yeah? It says, yeah, I now have a solid thing that I can know, a life that's happening to me. So I'm going with this, no matter what. No matter how many evidence to the contrary, I'll just override it and not pay attention to it. Like the absence of any you when you were born to about two years old. <laughs> I will just dismiss that. Yeah? And they, oh, my family told me I was here, and I was this kid, and I looked like this, and here's pictures of me, but do you have any memory of, at all of when you were from birth to like one and a half to? No! Totally gone, but because the process, the mental process of hadn't created the idea or made the idea of being a self yet. Yeah, it was just getting started. And then it's a pr produced it in a certain, through a certain amount of time, and then from then on, you tell a story, and then it goes back where there was no evidence of being a self, and it claims that as, oh yeah, I was born here in 19 da 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 by my mother and father, and here I am, and this is how I ended. It's totally fabricated. It's a fiction, total fiction. But our interest and attention, how, does, how do you do? Can you, can you call off your attention from those thoughts that when you think they're about you? It's very, very difficult. If you present the thoughts you're, that are driving you crazy today, they don't drive me crazy at all. But I'll have the same thoughts, and I'm in a relation with those thoughts as I'm the thinker of them or about me, and they're driving me crazy. Why is that? So we say, oh, the thoughts are driving me crazy. The thoughts aren't driving you crazy. Because why are the thoughts driving you crazy and the same thoughts aren't driving me crazy? So they don't have the ability to drive you crazy. It's the my, it's the act of being identified with the thoughts that drives you crazy. That's why people aren't getting relief to me, because they're, they're spending a lot of medicine, money to buy cold medicine, but they have a flu. They don't recognize they have, the, the disease isn't as it's been presented. It's not obsession with self. That's an activity of the disease. The disease is being identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a unit, a self. That's the disease. And how it's reinforced is the mental process thinks about it and interprets life from this point of view. And it's that constant thinking and interpreting that we call obsession that's driving us crazy, but the us that's being cr driven crazy isn't even you. That's the good news. The thoughts don't have to stop. None of that has to stop at all. What I would say is entertain the addition to the thoughts, which thoughts are happening, but the addition of the thoughts are, these are my thoughts and they're about me. That's not what's happening. That's an interpretation. That's a story. Yeah? That's a story. And that's a huge leap from a thought being seen to me as the thinker is huge. That's a huge freaking leap that I'm now the thinker of these thoughts. So let's say if I'm at a park, and there's 20 kids at the park, and I'm watching them all, but I have, one of them's mine, where's my interest and attention going to go to? Is it going to go to the 19 other kids, or is it going to go to the one I think is mine? Literally. Test it for yourself. Walk in, there's a party, and one kid is yours. Where's your attention go? To that one kid. Yeah? So here you are, all these thoughts are coming, and there's like thousands, they're like thousands of orphan thoughts, and you're, you're adopting every one of them by the mind going, these are my thoughts. And immediately, you're bonded to it. Now you have your interest and attention is bonded to it, 
and you don't want to see them anymore, they're driving you crazy, but all your attention and interest is wedded to that thought. Not by the thought. The thought does not have the bonding agent. It's your mind is bonding to the thought by saying, these are my thoughts or they're about me. It's as simple as that. See it. You're, most of us are taking it, oh, the thoughts are driving me crazy. The thoughts are not driving you crazy. The thoughts are just agitating the oldest thought, which is you, as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That is a thought. Yeah? And that thought has risen above, it seems to have risen above out of the, the sea of the mental process and climbed up on land and claimed itself to be the thinker of all the thoughts. And, the, and, the, and all the thoughts are about me, this long-lasting, independent, separate entity. But it's not true. Yeah? So now you've got this huge amount of mental energy and it's all being drawn into this black hole called a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a self. You're identified as your body. Most of your plans are about body comfort, aren't they? When you think of yourself in the future, how do you see yourself in the thought as a body? When you think of yourself in the past, how do you capture the past as being yours? You picture you in it, yeah, as a body. You can't picture it as a spirit. You'd realize there's absolutely no past. Yeah? Where does the past stop being the present and then move into a future? It's all partitioned. One seamless cloth has been partitioned by the brain to make it make sense to it. So it can have a linear story that I, Paul, have been the same Paul this whole life. Give me a break. Your personality when you were five, was it exact same personality when you were shooting drugs out there? Of course not. Yeah. What we're calling a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is constantly a work in progress. We're totally the effect of all the stimuli and, and situations we're running into, yeah? and, and based on the conditioning and the DNA. We're just an expression, like a chemical uh, mix, yeah? stimuli and other stuff, hormones and everything get mixed up, and then voila, there's, there's a Paul that behaves like this in a certain situation. All the while, your head is claiming it to be the one who's doing it. Guilt and shame always, always flits me out with people. Because where does guilt and shame rest? Tell me. Where does guilt and shame rest? How can guilt and shame have any relevance whatsoever? The only way it can have any relevance is if you're a personal doer. Yeah? If you're a personal doer, then you can have guilt and shame about what you did do or didn't do. But without the sense of being a personal doer, there's no branch for guilt and shame to rest on, none whatsoever. The whole system of guilt and shame collapses when you're, not, when you're seen as not a personal doer. In other words, you're let off the hook. Yeah. But other than that, if you believe you're the personal doer, you're going to have deep, deep, deep opinions about what you should have done and what you shouldn't have done in your life. And in your head, this is going to play God, isn't it? And it's going to convict you. And the cases are going to be airtight. I mean, because it's the judge is the same, the jury the same, the prosecutor, the defense, and the, and the, and the one who's under suspicion. It's, it's all, it's a done deal. It's like a kangaroo court. So, I, I mean, I had some airtight things. That there's no way you could have therapized me for 30 years. I wasn't going to give myself a break because I had, I definitely was wrong. I should have given my mother that money and I never did. And I bought a half a pound of coke and I did it all. 
and I'd been promised myself for years that I was going to give my mother money when I got the settlement and I didn't give her any money. So there's no way you could get the best therapist in the world. I was convicted. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to be punished for that. But what happened with me is, thank God, there is a like, this is like an appellate court. There's a court of light that the case can Yes? You bring it to the court of light where all the convictions of this court get annulled and avoided like that. Yes? It has to, it's like the Supreme Court, literally. It has supreme power over all the little mental thought courts that you've been living under. All the sentences, all the convictions, all the, uh, accusing everything. All of is washed clean in the court of light. But the self can't bring the case there. Because the case and the self are the same. The case and the self are the exact same. There's no self that a case has been brought up against. The case and the self are the same activity called selfing. It's just the mind is separated. It's separated some of the verb and made it into this like clay noun called Paul. And then all these verbs are happening. And Paul somehow has a lot to do with all those verbs as the doer or the done to. Yes? And then a huge story is written up about this thing, and yet all there is is verbing. And in that court of life, all there is. So every case that comes in goes out very quickly, yeah? <laughs> because it's verbing. <laughs> Everything, it goes in front of the light, and it gets, it gets, it gets purified. <laughs> next case, next case, next case, next case, next case. There's no debate, there's no counsel. It's just immediately forgiveness. Or prior to the forgiveness, because nothing ever really happened. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, my son, you are absolved. <laughs> go, my daughter, you are absolved. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, in this courtroom, you're fucked. <laughs> you really, you can get the best lawyer in the world. You're lucky to get off with like 30 years in purgatory. We don't even have hell here. We have different levels of hell. Limbo, purgatory, hell, right? And so this thing casts you down into hell, doesn't it, every day? And why do you have such... Why, in a sense, is there such an overpowering effect its little declarations have? Because you're identified as it. You're totally identified as it. It's the power of its court is coming from you. The power of that mental court is your power being uh, hijacked. So I saw, you know, we speak every week about conscious contact, but I noticed there's a dilemma with this system, this system run wild called self-centeredness. Its main movement is to claim, yeah? And if you're identified as a self, you will not know it. You won't know it. How you feel to be you, you'll think that's your authentic you. It isn't. It's a production by a mental process. But you will probably have a real sense that this is me, and it isn't you. So when that idea of a self wants to get out of self, It has a sincere desire to get out of self, and it is a sincere desire, it's had enough. It has momentum to get out of self. It has a devotion to the idea of getting out of self, but it doesn't realize 
the identification as the self, yeah, will cause that little movie of getting out of self is just another segment of being in self. Because this dream has a construct called a dualism or duality construct. So being out of self is the exact same as being in self, literally. Being responsive and being unresponsive are the same. So let's say you've been disassociated in your life. So it's a real big upgrade to start associating again. But the real solution is there's no associate, there was no one who was associated and there was no one who was disassociated. But most people can't do that leap. So, okay, most of us come in here totally screwed because a lot of us are in recovery. So now we're going to get some self-esteem. We're going to do some esteemable acts. We're going to give ourselves a little more room in our cell. Yeah? Instead of a 4 by 6, we're going to get a 10 by 12. And it's going to feel really, really good. But there's still the bondage to self. Yeah? Because what thought it was bound and now thinks it's becoming free, that's the bonding of self. The sense of being bound and then also the sense that I could be free of it. That's the bondage of self. The promise of freedom to the bondage is bondage. That's the dilemma I found. Because when I first heard this message, I heard it as an identification as a self. And I didn't know that any attempt to entertain this message as a self has to always turn into doing and having, which causes it to fail every time. Because you can't do and you have yourself into this. You can't. You cannot do and have yourself into what's already so. It's impossible. You cannot do it. And when the head hears this message, in the, in the idea of selfing, it, it turns it into something I have to do. And this is not the case. I am saying you're a lion. What I know from watching people, they see the message, they hear it. I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. But as soon as it hits the ear... It turns into, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. It's a good message, really. For, for a sheep to want to become like a lion is pretty cool. But the fact is, if the sheep isn't really a sheep, trying to become like a lion does what? It defeats the recognition of its own nature, because it is a lion. Yeah. So trying to become like a lion, if you're a lion, defeats the whole message that you're a lion. Yeah? Because why would a lion try to become like one? There would be a very instant recognition, I am that which I'm seeking. That stops you in your tracks. Now, your selfing may regenerate, but I'll tell you, when I heard this message, it was like an unspoken yes. I heard it, bammo, it hit me, and it was like a yes inside. And that, that, that verb of selfing got startled into what we call a pause in recovery. And in that pause, which is um, an eternal moment, yeah, in time, yeah. It seems like there's a moment and then a, then a pause and then a moment. But that moment, that pause is not a time. It's not a time factor. It's an infinite space, yeah. That pause occurred and something hit me and it was like an unspoken yes in my gut and it was the last answer for me. And I heard it and it's just, that was that. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? How, what's insanity would there be for me to look, keep looking if I've just been pointed out that I'm naturally seeing? You know? Why would I want to put on some glasses and then try to look for the seeing? 
when the whole point is, is just to take the glasses off, then you'll see the seeing, yeah? You won't see it. You'll feel it. It's a verb, seeing. You can't see the seeing, but you can feel it. You can sense the feeling of seeing, which is being conscious, yeah? But to put on a pair of glasses, and immediately I become what? As soon as I put on a pair of glasses, which are, to me, paths and processes here, which are forms of looking, as soon as I put on a pair of glasses, it prohibits me from seeing. The seeing gets interpreted as looking. And what, how it is, is the seeing becomes I'm looking. Yeah? Seeing becomes I'm looking. So the seeing gets claimed by this, the selfing and merely turns it into a looking. And now, like St. Francis said, what's looking or what's seeing is what you are looking for. So the you is just different ways of looking. Yeah? You were looking at life through an addict's eyes, now you're looking at it through recovery. But the seeing was there the whole time. When you were looking at life through an addict's eyes, seeing was there. When you were looking at life through recovery eyes, seeing was there. Seeing is always so. We blind ourselves to the seeing by forms of looking. And you can get some really specialized forms of looking. And to others, you may be looking like you're seeing, but you ain't seeing because you're identified as the looker. And you somehow believe you had something to do with it. That's what selfing is all about. It's trying to find relevance in the story of life, which is an incredible mystery, and it tries to find relevance of its own role in it. I'm relevant here. I stopped, my, I stopped this thing called Paul from knowing God. Man, that's damn relevant, don't you think? I stopped this Paul from receiving and giving love. Man, I have some fucking incredible power if I could stop that. So it plays God with our God juice, so to speak, and, and, we, and we're at the brunt of the joke. It tells us how our days are going to be like, how our life is going to be like, how you're going to be like, how you will be like, how you were like, how I was, how I will be, how you are, blah, 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 blah. It's constantly every person you meet, I know already. You have no idea. There's no inquisition. There's no inquisitiveness. It's like, I know, I know what it's going to be like. I've, been, I've eaten here before. I know this food. I know this. I know that. I know this beach. I know this. I know that. In, it's like neutering life immediately. You're cutting the balls off of life. You know, it's just like, it's sterile. It gets to be the same old, same old. And it is the same old, same old. The head is interpreting life from your perspective. Life is happening to me. No, life is happening. Life is happening, full non-stop. Not, it's, not, it's definitely not turning around and happening to you, I'm telling you. It, doesn't, it has no freaking opinion about you. It's just happening. Yeah? It's just a movement. And it's going. It's not going, oh, here's Paul, let's fuck with him. Boom! No, it's not. Yeah, you're not that relevant. You see? If life actually cursed you, your head would be loving it because you would feel relevant. Life turned itself against me. I must be something. That's all mind wants. The mental process of selfing, all it wants is to be something because it realizes it knows it's nothing. Yeah? It knows it's nothing, which is actually beautiful, but its take on nothing is that it's irrelevant and it's scary as hell. To me, nothing is really the beauty of all beauties. Yeah? The most beautiful number or state is zero because everything comes out of it. 
Once you're at number one, and that becomes your primary number, and all your mathematical schemes about life are based on this primary number, it causes a, it has a lot of equal signs and sufferings on the other side. But zero, nothing, everything can come from it. Yeah. Everything and anything can come from zero because it doesn't have any any value. Yes, it's zero. It's so freaking beautiful. So that's why I come here, because in my community, the major, I, what I got out of it after the drinking and the using stopped was those were symptoms, and the real problem is obsession with self, which I agreed with wholeheartedly until a few years later when I didn't agree with it anymore. I saw, yes, there is the act of obsessing with self, but that is not the primary problem, if you want to call it a problem. The primary problem is there's an identification with this idea of being self, which causes the mental process to obsess over it, to do what? To reinforce its relevance, yeah? If you weren't thinking about you, there'd be no you to think about. Really. If you were not thinking about you, there would be no you to think about. The thinking makes up the you, and the you reinforces the thinking, yes? So... The obsession with self, and that's why a lot of people put a lot of attention wrestling with the obsession with self, and I've watched the match over the years, and they're not winning. <laughs> they're not winning. The fight isn't called off. The thing keeps coming back on them, no matter how many years they have. So I, said, I figured out, Jesus, something must be missing. We must be missing something, because... Everyone is identifying with the problems that are presented in the, in the recovery book, but not everyone's identifying with the solutions they talk about or the effects of the solution, like cease fighting everyone and anything. Cease fighting everyone, anyone, and anything. Not just alcoholism, but anyone and anything. You know, being placed in a position of neutrality with no thought, thought or effort on your part, and then having a vision that the problem does not exist for you. I mean, that's a damn freaking unbelievable solution when the problem doesn't exist for you. These things, I don't meet that many people that are living in that. But I meet the people, most of us, totally identify with all the problems that are, and the expressions of those problems that are presented in the book, but not as much as the solutions, you yeah? know? We don't get that. Why? I think there's been a misdiagnosis. I truly, humbly believe it. I don't, and people say, well, what's the same thing? It is not the same thing. Obsession with self and identification of self are two different ballgames. The identification of self is a process not being seen, and then the process that is being seen is what reinforces it. The obsessing with self is easily seen. A person who comes into their first meeting, if someone points it out to them, they can see it because they've been seeing it for months and years, but they didn't know what to call it. Yeah, they thought it was their thoughts, but when they, you go, hey, that's, that, the self has been driving you crazy, brother. And you go, yeah, I can see that. Yeah? But they don't see the underlying bondage, which is identification as a self. They don't see that. And that's why this disease keeps on predominating in their life. Because they're not, they're not getting to the root. If the root is seen and cut, there'll be some long-lasting relief should be demonstrated in your life. Seriously. And if it isn't, I'd go back and question how sure you are about the solution. Really. <laughs> if 
if the root is seen, the real root, and there's no real root, but the root is seen and it is somewhat cut, if you want to call it cut, there should be a demonstration of it in your life. It, it, there should be a traveling lighter, yes? A more ease and comfort. A recognition of an obviousness of all I am is right here now, and what the hell is all this stuff about what's not happening? <laughs> I mean, what an insane thing to spend my, put all my attention and interest in. It's not mine, but to see all my attention and interest in the realm of what's not happening. It's totally insane. When you're taking it to be normal, because we don't know any better. But once it's, once the blind is pulled up and you get to see it, it's totally insane to have any hour of any day, any minute of any day, based on what's not happening. It is totally insane. And that's what hits you. You don't have to think, oh, when did I read this? It was totally insane if this happened. And what page? No, you get it in your gut. This is totally insane. You don't have to read a scripture about it. It's just a recognition. Jesus Christ. Why would I want to leave here, which is impossible to do, and go up into that house of horrors and then start thinking about, oh, what I should have done today at the appointment. Well, there's no redos here. <laughs> you, know, you don't have a chance, okay, everyone leave the set. All right, everyone, take number 48. No, there's no 48 takes. There's one take. This is all improvised. Unfortunately, it isn't. It's the same old, same old if you're in selfing. But if you're not in selfing, it's totally improvised. There's no second take. You don't get, okay, everyone go back to your places. And, all right, Paul goes to the job interview. This time he says the right thing. <laughs> and he still doesn't get the job. What? My whole thing of being so important that I said the right thing that was that I'd get the job. No, you still don't get the job. Hopefully you see this reliance on this thing is insane. It's totally unreliable. Also, let me go home and think about what I should have done. <laughs> Has that worked well for you? No, 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 no. So this thing of realizing what's not happening is totally insane. It doesn't come from studying. It comes from recognition. And it comes from recognition when you're in what's happening, which you cannot not be in. From this point of view, what's not happening is insane. If you're in the realm of what's not happening, it makes fucking sense, doesn't it? It's very difficult to talk someone down off of that ledge of what's not happening. Because they're believing it's going to be terrible next Friday. It's like, you know, they, they want to commit suicide, but it's a beautiful day and they're on ground level. But in their head, they're like 40, you know, elevators, like floors high, and they're going to jump off the building. And so, it's insane. Why would I want to even attempt to talk you down? You're on the fucking ground. It's a beautiful day. You're fine. <laughs> but there's no recognition of that. That's how insane this place is. So people come in and say, I want to talk about my problem. I show it to me. If it's your problem, where is it? Show, come on, bring it out. Gavin on a leash, where's your problem? Bring it out. Then we'll talk about it. If you can show me your problem, bring it out, we'll talk about it. I don't see your fucking problem. No, it's my problem. It happened last Wednesday. No. But what are you giving birth to now? Not last Wednesday. This moment is being, you're being born, birthed in this moment. Is there a problem? No, unless you think about it. Because if you think about it, it's not this moment. If you think about it, it is definitely not this moment. So, 
Here I touch life, here I think about touching life. Yeah? Here I smell, here I'm thinking about what I smell. Here I hear, now I'm thinking, what, should I have heard that? Seeing's happening, I'm saying, well, I didn't like what I saw today. It was really, it disturbed my inner senses. My autistic uh, character was offended by that, what I saw. <laughs> you got to see it. It's insane. It's literally insane. And if you're waiting to arrive where it's always going to get better, really great for Matt, forget about it. That bus line was canceled years ago. The but number 33 isn't coming. You're not going to be saved by anybody. It's not going to happen. The new apartment isn't going to do it for you. No one even will notice the new shoes you bought. Yeah? So I spent eight hours putting this on. No one's even recognizing I got a haircut. So you don't even care. You're the only one that sees yourself like a topo, what is a topographical map every day looking at. I mean, everyone just sees you. You look exactly like you looked yesterday. <laughs> but you, you're thinking you're changing every half hour. Yeah. It's called obsessing over what you're not. Mental activity. But how are you going to break that habit? You can't, bro. Because you are that habit. The sense of you thinking you can break it is part of the selfing. Yeah? Or the, the idea that you could never break it is also part of the selfing. It is part of the verbing of mind. There's no noun to be found. You do not exist as what you think you are. Yeah? That's the solution. Where does all the dilemmas come from? If you're in a dream and there's a dream tiger, you're going to be scared shit of that tiger. I don't care how many therapists you go to or whatever, you're still going to have a fear of that freaking tiger so you know it can kill you. The only relief is when you wake up. Yeah, because when you wake up, the dream tiger doesn't wake up. It's still a dream tiger. And you see it as such. And therefore, all the fear that you had invested in that dream tiger is released. Because it's what? Not a real tiger. So you're in a dream now, but we're identified as the dream object. And of course, to the dream object, a lot of dream objects are scary to the dream object called Paul. Yeah? But the freedom isn't by getting this to be a courageous warrior. It's realizing you're not the dream object. So your attention and interest rises, and you see things from a new perspective. That's what works. Yeah. And I, for me, it didn't happen through books or anything. It happened through hearing an invitation. I had read the books, and I had an uncertain intellectual understanding, but it was hearing the invitation and sitting in the rooms where some energy was occurring, then something started to seep in, yeah? and it eroded the importance of my mind getting it. And then I realized there's no it's not necessary at all for my mind to get it. One did. I wouldn't spend one second more trying to convince this thing that it's awake. Because this is unconvincible. I just got something prior to this. I looked at, I finally sensed life from something other than my little interpretive tower. Yeah? And I felt something and everything changed. And, it, and that change picked up a momentum over years as I entertained it. It just got stronger and stronger. More and more momentum built. Yeah? Because there's, you cannot believe how reinforcing a solution is when it's a real solution and it's entertained, yeah? When a real solution is entertained, it's amazing how reinforcing it is to what's entertaining it. 
because it's actually delivering the goods finally. There's no hopeful advertising, one day you will be great, but it'll suck until then. No, you start feeling relieved. And it's amazing what gets dropped off, because you would never have thought of dropping that which gets dropped off. Because it's really the narrative. It's the narrator. Not even the narrative, it's the narrator. You just lose interest in Paul. Yeah? <laughs> it's great. And my life got so much better with my absence, really. I was, that's, that's why I couldn't believe. I always thought, you know, people would say the party was, is really great, but when I got there, it always sucked, you know? And I finally realized why my life sucked was there was too much of me in it, yeah? Me of this idea of self. When that self was dropped, life, what I was truly missing was what I call me now, yeah? That's what I was missing in my own life, because there was like a changeling, a substitute, a mental idea of what I was that was now becoming me, yes, by my attention and interest being absorbed in it all day. But it can never be me. It can only seem to become me. And at any moment, what you are is constantly awake to the fact of what it is. It needs no convincing. What needs to be convinced is the attention and the interest to maybe leave what it calls you, and then start entertaining something other than you. And sometimes maybe enough suffering will cause that break to occur. Well, maybe you'll be willing to entertain something else than this. Because maybe you finally get a sense of the futility of hoping that someday this is going to deliver the goods. And then your interest and attention hears this message, and you start entertaining. Hey, maybe I'm not that. Maybe that's not me. Maybe these thoughts aren't my thoughts. My first leap was their alcoholic thoughts. And that was a damn good beginning, because I could handle an alcoholic thought a lot better than I can handle my thought. Yeah? Because I could see the alcoholic thought was a common thought that a lot of us were having. So that sense of terminal uniqueness was broken. And I realized, Jesus, this is just a freaking alcoholic thought. I've been calling alcoholic thoughts mine my whole life, and thinking they were special and no one had them. Now I've been hearing people sharing my thoughts for years. So how the hell happened? I, may, I was identified with just a, a system of mind, an interpretation called selfing. Couldn't fucking believe it. And when that hits you, you'll lose interest in it. When you, don't, when you realize the thoughts aren't about you, and they're not yours, you'll lose interest in the obsession with self. You won't practice losing interest. It's like an effect, like in recovery it says... Well, you, you entertain this higher power as being your source of reliance, and what will happen is you'll lose interest in yourself, your little plans and your designs, and you'll gain interest in others. That's not a practice. It's not a chore. It's an effect of a realization. You realize something, and some of its effects are that. You'll lose interest in self, and you'll gain interest in others. You'll lose interest in taking from life, and you'll, and you'll start wanting to contribute to it. There's no practice involved in it. It's just what happens. It's like the flow of water gets redirected and it and this arid area just flourishes. Once the water shows up of interest and attention, that arid area called of, of aspects of your life flourish now because all it needed was interest and attention. So you see, when it, your interest and attention is freed up from feeding this desert of selfing, it starts creating gardens in life. You start having relationships with things the beach, with waves, with people, that are incredibly rewarding. And there's no story around it. Yeah? It's just direct, 
Okay, man, this is cool. No, oh, I, this should be cool. I heard this was cool. No, it is cool. Yeah, quick, right direct. And you start getting fed by life finally. Yeah. Your interest and attention brings back. Yeah, it brings back great fruits and then distributes great fruits. And you'll know the tree by the fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. You'll know the freaking tree from the fruit. You cannot know the tree. You cannot know what you are. You can see its effects here through this apparatus, but you can't know it. Because if you could know it, it would mean you were substantial and real and relevant as a self, and you're not. So you can't know what you are, but you can know what you are by the fruits that distribute in through your life. Yeah. When you start traveling lighter, and you start feeling this and that and this and that, and it becomes a long-lasting state, you're on to something. And you don't have to... It's self-motivating. It's self-replenishing. Yeah? Not, I don't get like the word self, but it, it's like electromagnetism. Electromagnetism goes on infinitely because they produce each other. Electricity produces magnetism, magnetism, electricity. It's perfect. It's a perfect wedding of energy. That's exactly what happens. Your attention and interest wedded to what you are produces more attention and interest. Wedded to what you are, more compassion, more this. Now, who cares about compassion? Most of what people call compassion, I don't believe is compassion. Compassion is recognizing nothing. You are totally fucking okay. That to me is compassion. So this thing keeps... Interest, attention, interest, attention, and you get the sense of the verbing of life. And that's how you can only know it, by moving with it. You cannot know it under a piece of glass. You cannot know it by reading a book. You cannot know it when it's been neutered and cut off and dried. And say, oh, this is the truth. That ain't it. It's a verb. And you know a verb by the moving with it. Yeah? You can only sense its qualities. You sense the qualities because life is happening through. Yeah. And then we come here a few times a week to, to, to make a space where this certainty, because somebody in this room is going to be holding the certainty, when this certainty is entertained. Yeah. Because it does not have to become a fact. All it has to be become a fact to you. It's already a fact. Yeah. And so we do it three times a week. Why? Because some people, when they're waking up, they have a tendency to go back to sleep. So you can't just knock on the door and go, hey, Paul, it's really important that you're awake. Hey, yeah, I know it's really important. <laughs> well, Paul, here, there's a book. Read this and you'll stay awake. You fall asleep. Or you pinch. And, so you, and then so you have to come back and say, all right, wake up. Then you have to watch and make sure they get up, put their pants on, and get up. You know. Then you got to hear how they're hearing the message. You got to watch. You got to be an ear and eye doctor. You know, I can't just got to see. What ear heard that message? Is that sheep ear heard the message of being a lion, and it's I'm going to become like a lion. No, that is not the message. So then we hold a certainty. Yeah, it's an incredible opportunity that we have this three times a week. I mean, I went all around the world trying to listen to this message. Very rarely did I have it three times a week. A couple of places I went to India where I heard it every day for weeks on end. But most places, they're going to charge you a lot of money and you're going to you know, you're have to sign up for a retreat that week. It makes no sense to me. One of the greatest ones I heard was, 
How to integrate awakening into normal life. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> Which one sounds more important? The awakening or the normal life? I would think uh, you know, the normal life is a byproduct of whatever you're, wherever you're at. But hey, whatever. So, we hold the certainty. Yeah, Chuck, you've been coming for years. Sunny, long time, everything like that. We try to be here every week, three times a week. I'd do it more often if I could make a living on it. <laughs> you know, and just entertain it. You come back, you get something, you have an awakening, and then you live life, you have a baby, everything's going away. You come back, say hello, get re-upped. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm supposed to be obsolete after a while. But hopefully a cherished obsolete. Just don't throw me away like a tissue, but you know, fondly remember me a little bit. <laughs> But I'm supposed to be obsolete in a sense. As a sense of, you know, Paul's doing something. Because it's not the case. We're all that. We just, uh, you know, we're creating a contrived situation for it to be easily entertained. Because you probably weren't having as much t easy enough time when you were driving over here. But in this room, it's a space that you can stop giving so much relevance to that world out there. Because it's got enough already. You're going to constantly give it relevance. And give this a little relevance. Yeah? And see why, how a little of this being relevant in your life will make a huge effect on the relevance of that. But when this is hidden, this becomes only relevant. And it does what it does. It just It's like a dog eating its tail. It just feeds on itself. And then you have pseudo-relevances that are not. But this is a real relevance that shows its irrelevance. It'll give you a break from taking this place to be so freaking real all day. Feel it, eh? Yeah, yeah, see here, it's incredible. Do you hear it? Do you ever hear sounds in your head? If you get quiet, quiet, see if you hear something at times. That's not it. None, no, there's no qualities to this thing, it. But for me, it's funny because I hear something all the time. I think I have that tight, tight, whatever that is. <laughs> I may have that, but I love it. I hear a buzz and different buzzes all day in my head. And any time I put a little attention that way, it overrides everything that's happening outside. It's really cool. It's just like right now. I can, it's like a symphony going off. So I'm here. And so if you find anything that's somewhat constant going on in you, yeah, somewhat, like a buzz of the body or something, let your attention go there. It will remind it of its true consistency, which is eternal. Yeah. But something that can be constant here is a good example. A pale reflection of it, but it indicates some constancy that you are. Yeah? So if it's a buzz or if it's a feeling inside of you, that I am-ness, whatever it is, that seems to always be the case whenever your attention gets freed from all this and it rests there, that it's always, it's always there. Whenever there's a chance to rest, it's always there to be rested with. Yeah? That constancy is an example. It's indicating truly what's going on, which is all there is is this sense of consciousness. All there is is that. Yeah. Yeah. Any questions tonight? Thank you. 
you just told it. <laughs> I'll tell it again. Thanks. There I was, I was a little kid, and I went to my relative parties, and there's a guy, Uncle Fred, used to always hand me money behind his back. So I liked him, because he bought me off. Really. So he handed me that, and then, then he died. I was about nine years old, and uh, so my mother brought me to the funeral. And when I walked, she took me, it was an open casket, and when they walked me to the casket, I looked in, and th there was Uncle Fred, but it had a direct hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. You know? It was like as clear as day, like a lightning bolt. I just realized that wasn't Uncle Fred. It was a body that represented to me Uncle Fred, but I was actually calling the body Uncle Fred because I thought I was a body. So the identification as a self begets you being identified as a self. Yeah? My identification as a body causes me to see you as a body. Yeah? This state of being identified as this projects out, and I, I, then I identify you as that. Yeah? So the projection, I think I'm perceiving you as a body, but the projection is set up first. I believe I'm a body, the head, yeah? And then it projects that, and therefore you must be a body. So now I perceive you to be a real solid, separate body called Michael. But in case, that's not the case. So when I saw that body that was going by the name Uncle Fred to me, inert, it was a direct hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. I was just mistaking Uncle Fred for a body, just like I was mistaking myself, me, for a body. Yeah? Yeah. That was the hit. So it didn't, you know, it didn't do much then. I guess, it, I guess it did, because I've remembered it ever since, but down the road it sure did. But you see, what you're perceiving, like your perceptions are not to be trusted. You can be, you can be given certain exercises and your perceptions can change. Perceptions aren't real. They're fabricated based on the conditionality of the body, of the brain, yeah? The perceptions are not to be trusted. You're perceiving a world as if it's real and solid and out there, and when you go to sleep, it's still out there, and it's huge, and this and that and that. It is a projection from your head. Yeah. It's because your perceptions can change. I could give you practices that would change your perceptions. You would see things differently. Yeah. So if you can see things differently, you were never seeing them clearly. Yeah. If you can see things differently, you were never seeing them clearly. Because... If it's been interpreted or, or let's say, uh, manipulated, it can still be manipulated. Perceptions are manipulative. Yeah? You see things how they pertain to you to be true or false. Everything in this place is seemingly. Yeah? It's seemingly, it's, I seemingly have a problem today. It's your perception that sets you up to believe you have a problem. There is no you having a problem. It seems to be, and seemingly means it, it, it appears to be true or false to you. So it's based on where you're looking at something from. That thing can seemingly be a problem Monday, and if you're in good condition on Tuesday, it won't seem to be a problem. And then you're in bad condition on Wednesday, it seems to be a problem again. It, what is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? It's neither. It's almost like a blank slate that you're giving the meaning to, based on where you're at. So if you're in selfing, then you are being, what's being force-fed through you is all the meanings that are comprised in a very small system of mind called self-centeredness. 
That's why your life looks like it's the same old, same old lot, because it doesn't have an infinite amount of meanings. It gives the same meanings over and over and over again. That's why in recovery they talk about resentment, which means to refill. Everyone's feelings are refilled. All the feelings you have are refeelings. All the thoughts are rethoughts. Everything is being rehashed over and over and over again because this system of thought, self-centeredness, is a very small system. It's like a box with maybe five moving things in it. Yeah? It's not a large space. And so here you are with this infinite space and you're putting this very small helmet on it and calling yourself to be what's in the helmet. Self. And then this helmet is taking all this power to give meaning to things and filtering that meaning through this very small meaning giver. And now you're getting all the meanings that self-centeredness would give this place, which is separation, you're solid, I'm solid, this thing can hurt me because I am a hurtable object and this is a powerful object, and so on and so forth. So our, we, the meaning we give this place gives this place its birth to us. Yeah. That can change dramatically. Not what appears to be happening, but how, what actually is happening can be seen. Yeah? But not from the point of view of self-centeredness, because if it could, it would have been already. It cannot see outside of the box of self-centeredness. Self cannot leave the system it's a product of. It's impossible. If self is a part of a mental process, it cannot leave that mental process. Self can't transcend self. To transcend something, it has to be real. Self is not real. So how can you transcend something that's not real? The way you get out of something that's not real is you realize you were never in it. The only solution to an imaginary problem is that it's imaginary. You cannot apply what you call a real solution to an imaginary problem. It will not produce a, a real solution. <laughs> How could it? Because it's an imaginary problem. If there's an imaginary problem taken to be real, and you acquire what you call real solutions, and when you apply those real solutions to the imaginary problem, that's the bigger problem. You don't see it? You don't see that you're applying a solution to an imaginary problem, isn't the, that's not the problem? Of course it is. That's why when you realize it's not a problem, the, the putting on a solution to it stops, and then you get relief from the problem by realizing it was imaginary. That's the only real relief you get it from. What do you believe any realization is? You realize I need do nothing. That's the whole point. I need do nothing. Why would I want to keep trying to put a solution onto an imaginary problem and expect anything other than another problem? Have you done tried it? Yes. You get a solution, the solution produces problems, then you get a solution to the problems that solution produced, now you have another problem, and so on and so forth. Because the initial problem is imaginary. You don't have to get out of self, there's a realization you were never in self. That's how you get out of it. Yeah, instantaneously. The quickest way that takes absolutely no time is realize you were never in anything. If there was something you were in, it would, it would have to take time to get out, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be quantum physics in a sense. If you were really in something, there would have to take, it would have to take time here to get out of it. Yeah? 
If you were really in something, time would have to elapse for you to get out of it. This is, there was a realization you were never in it, and that's being out of it, instantaneously. Bing! It's not a process that I get out of it. It's not time. It's bing! You're out of it, because there was a realization you were never in it. Not one moment of time moves. Not one step is taken. Any step would be going to, would be too many. Yeah? There's a realization, I wasn't in it, what I thought I was in. Bing! And what's, and that's the tree, and the fruit will prove it to you. <laughs> yeah? You'll experience a lightness in life. You'll have a fucking humorous narrative about the narrative all day. You'll just be hanging out. You'll be broke in a whole matter, or you'll be rich in a whole matter. Or a whole matter a real lot, but it won't matter to anyone. So if something really matters a whole lot, but it doesn't matter to anyone, does it really matter a whole lot? If something really matters a lot, but there's no one it matters to, does it really matter a lot? So the head can be really mattering something, just really, really matters, but it's not mattering to any you, then that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if it really matters to a you, then that really matters. You want to get out of it, don't you? That's the problem. The problem is you want to get out of it. So you think, though, the problem is that I haven't found a way to get out of it. No, the problem is you want to get out of it. That's the problem. As soon as you want to get out of it, you've, you've made it relevant. Now you're going to have tons of solutions that the mind is going to present to you to get out of the problem. That's being in the problem. Hmm. Yeah, quicker, right? Bimbo. I didn't, I, but I didn't seem to do anything. Exactly. You're irrelevant. You mean I'm not the one who's damned this whole potential up my life? No. There was never a you to do anything. Or not do anything. You mind what's everything that happened just happened exactly as it happened? Yes. You have absolutely nothing to do with it. Then how can I have forgiveness? I've never done anything wrong. Exactly. Forgiveness would take too much time. It's much quicker to realize that nothing ever happened here to be anything wrong about. Yeah? There's no redoing. So that's cool, man. It's working for you, aren't it? It's working for you. This message, eh?